0: There's always someone, isn't it? Uh, Well, welcome to our Christmas Eve services. Uh, Glad that you joined us. You know, I got to tell you, uh, people ask me after being a pastor for as long as I have, uh, you know, do you ever get nervous? And I do. Sometimes I feel like, you know, this is going to be the year I flub it up. It's going to be the worst thing that ever happened all year. And then uh, I saw the Miss Universe pageant, (laughs) and I realized... It can't be that bad. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, and, and people will ask me, they say, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with Christmas Eve, uh, is it difficult? And you know what it really is? And it, it's not the, all the services, it's not the crowds, it's not anything like that. The most difficult thing about Christmas Eve uh, is it's the same story. Year after year, uh, you know, Jesus is born in a manger. Every year it happens. Uh, Herod chases after him. The shepherds come and visit him. After that, the Magi, they see him too. In fact, this year I looked in the Bible and I thought, you know, maybe this year there's going to be something new. No, it's the same story. And you know, one of the things that we can uh, do is we can get an over- familiarity with uh, this, and we miss the importance and the impact. And so what I want to do is look at one of the biblical accounts. We do it every year. We've actually been looking the last couple weeks in Matthew at that account. Now, some of you would not know that because you've been watching the Seahawks, the 10 a.m. games, and uh, God will forgive you. Uh, I won't, but God will. Uh, so, we're going to look at the one uh, from Luke. And uh, here's, here's what it says. In fact, those of you who are watching online, uh, or you can follow along in your outline, I want uh, you to look with fresh eyes at this story, which seems so simple, and it seems uh, so ordinary. It says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea We're very familiar with that story. In fact, you don't have to uh, be a church person uh, to know about that story. And I, I think that most of us would, if we consider Jesus' background, he was from a backwater town to uh, a blue-collar family in a country that honestly was fairly insignificant in the uh, geopolitical sense, that anything ever really significant became of his life. And in fact, uh, early on in Jesus' ministry, uh, someone found out he was from Nazareth, and he said, really, has anything ever important come from Nazareth? Regardless of what you think about Jesus and the situation surrounding his birth, that that God would become flesh, maybe you don't even believe that. It's hard to deny the impact of Jesus. universities found all over the world what we know with uh, modern care and health care for people uh, serving people who are poor and disenfranchised many acts of compassion you can't go anywhere without seeing the fingerprint of jesus especially here in america i mean in america we do we, we have commercialized jesus do you know that you can buy a chocolate covered jesus uh, I would have a hard time eating Jesus' head off. I would be afraid I would go right to hell. Uh, our, our primary worship pastor here in Redmond is six months pregnant. I wouldn't put it past her. The, uh, but we all, have, we all have this idea of Jesus from our culture. Uh, music with, you know, Green Day, The Killers, uh, Carrie Underwood, Jesus Take the Wheel, and then Help Me Slash the Tires of My Boyfriend, you know. Oh, we find this in songs, The Simpsons, South Park, uh, even, you remember Dog the Bounty Hunter? Before they would go out after the criminals, they would pray, Lord, let us catch this person, nab him, tie him up, throw them in a car, give them a punch or two, and tell them about you, dear Jesus. You know, we see that again and again. In fact, there are t-shirts, I came across some that I thought were pretty interesting uh, about uh, Jesus. Uh, This one here, real men love Jesus. And then uh, we find another one, uh, Jesus uh, loves you, but I'm his favorite, yeah. Uh, Jesus is coming, look busy, I like that one. All I need today is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus, okay? And then here's one, what would Jesus brew? Uh, and I, I, I like this one. And I want you to notice this is in a woman's cut. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. <laughs> and then uh, this one, uh, we, see, we see all of these. And we're reminded that Jesus is in our culture in a significant way. In fact, Yale historian uh, Yerslof Pelikan wrote this, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure uh, in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. If it were possible with some sort of supermagnet to pull out every uh, scrap of metal bearing at least a trace of his name, how much would be left? And the point is, not much. Napoleon Bonaparte wrote this about his impact. He said, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires, but on what did we rest our genius? Upon force. Jesus founded his empire upon love, and and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Our calendars are divided into uh, two eras, B.C., before Christ, and A.D. Otis Domini, in the year of our Lord. The two biggest holidays we have uh, around the world are centered around the birth and the death and resurrection of Jesus. This one individual who never held office, never led an army, uh, really uh, in, in the typical sense, he didn't do the things we think that would make someone famous, But we all would agree that the impact, whether you're a committed atheist, is profound. But the the question I want to consider as we look at the same story but with fresh eyes is this. Is Jesus important? And I think anyone would say that. Or is Jesus essential? Now, uh, my contention, and you can probably guess, is that Jesus is essential, not only for what's happened in human history, but what happened in your heart and mind. There are 300 prophecies around the birth of Jesus, around his coming, his death, and his resurrection. When he was born in that backwater town, but yet of the line of the greatest king uh, who had ever lived in the nation of Israel, and would become the king of kings. You know, we can look at those prophecies and all of that around Jesus, but I think one of the greatest things we can do is is look after those events and see what does it mean for us to celebrate the birth of Christ and everything that means today. The Apostle Paul, who went from the biggest leader of the anti-Jesus movement to one of the greatest followers of Christ, God used him to write much of the New Testament, He says this about Jesus. He changed his mind. And he says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's saying Jesus is absolutely essential. That's the conclusion he came to. In fact, in one place in the Bible, he says, for me to live is Christ, but because I've lived with Christ, to die is gain. Now, I know uh, for those of you who are here and you're, maybe you were brought uh, by a friend who promised you dinner after church and uh, you say, hey, I'm not really, you know, I appreciate the ceremony but I'm not sure i buy into that spiritual reality that I'm probably not going to convince you in one message. But I'm talking not only to you, but for those of us who would say, you know, I, I, I believe in Jesus with my whole heart, but is he essential to my life? That's the question that I think I want to answer this Christmas Eve. And so, uh, uh, what I want to do is share with you, yes, from Scripture, but also I was reflecting uh, on why Jesus is essential to me. And I, and I think we find this both in the account of Jesus' birth and, again, in Colossians as the Apostle Paul reflects on that. For me, one of the, and it may sound narcissistic, but one of the reasons that Jesus is essential for me is joy for my present is that uh, I know uh, I need joy. In fact, sometimes Christmas can seem not joyful, but stressful. Any of you get a little stressed out during this time of year? Any, Any of you have children? Yeah, what are the children going to do? Yeah, they're going to do what they do every year. They're going to count the presents, make sure they're even, even distribution of the wealth, the little communists. That's what they do, you know, every single year. And uh, they're, they want, and there's, there's fruitcake to eat. There's all sort parties to go to. By the way, uh, there's shopping to be done. Uh, guys, the malls are open till 11 p.m. You still have time. And and, and I want to help you out, too. I, I know that we always have newlyweds every year. Guys, uh If you're newly married and your wife says, let's not buy presents for each other this year, uh, she's a liar. (laughs) What she means is I'm not buying anything for you. but may God deal with you ever so severely if you don't buy something uh, for me. That, that's really not in the Bible, but I just wanted to uh, help you out there, so. In fact, I, I came across this, I thought this was funny. Uh, the, uh, someone gave me this, the Christmas Serenity Prayer. May God grant you the serenity to accept the gifts you cannot return, the courage to regift the ones you can, and the receipts to know the difference. <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> Seriously, uh, one of the unique, unique promises around Jesus is that he would bring joy. Probably the, one of the best-known songs that we sing celebrating his birth is joy to the world. The Lord has come. And we find that from Luke 2.10 where we read in the Scripture, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Jesus brings joy in this life and in the next. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul, he alludes to that in Colossians 1.23 when he says, continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. There what he's referring to, and we often forget, is there's the, 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 the coming of Jesus that we celebrate, which is called the first advent. Many of you maybe grew up in a traditional religious environment where uh, you would advent season, would be a big deal, and that's looking forward to the coming of Jesus. But that always was meant not only to be a reminder of the first time that Jesus came, but that Jesus will come again. And the Scripture is very clear. It'll be a miracle on a different order than the first one. This time it won't be as a baby born in a manger, but as the rightful ruler and king and Lord, to bring justice where there's been injustice, to make all things right, to give strength when we've run out of our own strength. Sometimes we uh, forget, though, that, that we're not on that side of, of history. There's a theologian, George Eldon Ladd, and he talked about how we live in the already and the not yet. Jesus has already come, and he, we get glimpses in our reality of the peace, joy, wisdom, and strength that He offers. But there will be a day of fulfillment. And some of us are waiting, saying, you know, I'm waiting for that day more than I ever have before. And that's not a sign of weakness. That's an incredible sign of hope, which can give you joy. I know uh, another reason Jesus is essential for me and for you is a pardon for my past. We all failed in the past. Uh, It says in Luke 2.11 this about Jesus. It says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, He is the Messiah, which also means Savior, the Lord. And and, and we think about that, and we think uh, all about what that means, and the Apostle Paul, again, he reflects on that. See, a a few years have passed, and and he's saying, well, what does that mean that that we have a Messiah? He says, uh, he has uh, rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He talks there about a, a spiritual battle, and I know you know a lot of us are like, okay, you know, I'm not sure I believe in the whole Satan thing. And, and, but, th- but there is this enemy of our souls. And, and a, a friend of mine, uh, he described it uh, like this. Uh, that Satan knows your name and he calls you by your sin. Uh, Jesus knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. And I I was thinking that, for what does that mean for some of us? Uh, Maybe we would be called uh, dishonest employee, disobedient child, disengaged dad. He's a God who's not out to, to get you. Jesus came to save you and me. And I know some of, some of you are thinking, hey, if you knew what I've done, you really wouldn't include me in this. You wouldn't speak to me like that. I, and you're right, I don't know you, but I do know God. And I know what he's like. And I know that there's nothing that puts you outside of the grace of God that you've ever done in your life that can't. Not that thing you did at work, the person you may have cheated at business, the affair you've had in your past, where you've looked in the computer and you should have known better. There's nothing that puts us outside of the grace of God. See, some of us, we look good on the outside, but on the inside, we're struggling with the reality of, am I pardoned? from my past. And, and, and I like the term pardon because it speaks even, you know, we use the word forgiveness, which is a biblical term. But when someone is pardoned, and, and this time of year the president will usually pardon people who've been convicted of crimes. And when they receive a pardon, it's like it never happened. It's, it's not there anymore. It's not only forgiven, in a sense, it's erased. The reality is that we all uh, need God's grace because we sin. And I know sin can say, we like to say mistakes, right? Because uh, mistakes make it sound a little softer uh, than sin. But if we were going to be honest, uh, a lot of us, we plan our mistakes. Uh, we maybe plan to not tell the truth. We plan to overindulge in alcohol. We plan to meet that person in that place. And it's not, we're not mistakers, we're, we're sinners. And I include myself first and foremost in this. The good news is that God didn't leave us, but that He rescues us. Uh, he died on a cross so we can live eternally and abundantly. You can have a a brand new start today, and even if it's that thing that you wouldn't tell your best friend and it's a secret you hold closely, that God wants to set you free. Well, when He does that, He not only just leaves us in this place of restoration, He gives us a purpose for our life. Now Now, you think about that. We all had a dream of a great purpose. Uh, when you were a little kid, uh, some of you wanted to uh, be, you said, I, when I grow up, I want to be uh, a doctor, a lawyer, a policeman, a timeshare salesman, a telemarketer, you know, something like that. Something, you know, we, we all had this idea that we wanted to do something significant. In fact, one of the things we're going to do in January as a church, we're starting a new Uh, message series, One Million Reasons, and in it we're really looking at how we live out God's purpose for our life, how we we start to engage with God in a significant way. Mary who we see in the Bible, Jesus' mom, as she considered all that was going on around here. Sometimes we underemphasize or overemphasize Mary. Mary was a, a significant person the earthly mother of Jesus, but she knew that something very non-earthly was happening. And she knew that she had a purpose in all of that. We read in Luke 2.19, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The Apostle Paul, as he considered uh, his mission and his ministry, He said, I have become a servant by the commission that God gave me. And he's saying, I have a purpose to live out. When Jesus came as a baby, it was to fulfill, yes, God's purpose for humanity, but it was also that we could fully live in the purpose that God has for us. Some of us have, have been told by others, maybe we've told ourselves, you know, there's nothing nothing that big that I'm going to do. When you partner with God and His purpose for your life, you'll do things that are not only uh, important in this life, but in the next. And finally, number four, a place at His table. I don't know about you, have you ever uh, been at a place where you felt like uh, it was nice to be invited, but you really felt like you didn't belong? The Apostle Paul talks about when Jesus came, that the statement is not that you would be tolerated, but that, that's to bring us into a relationship with Him. We read, it says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That we have a place at his table. Jesus came to reconcile all things through him. You know, it's interesting, if you think about after Jesus was born and lived and he was facing the cross, He could have saved himself from that earthly death, but he couldn't save himself and save you and me at the same time. And he chose you and me so we would have a place at his table. Jesus pulls back, like imagine a chair from a table, and says, I want you to sit down and talk with me. And I think part of that is, is that, it's that relationship where we understand that Jesus is, yes, He's important in history, but He's also essential for me this Christmas season. My prayer around Christmas Eve this year is that for many of us, and we, we believe in Jesus, some of you may not, but many of us do, we believe in Jesus, but there would be that 18-inch journey from our head to our heart and that you would experience the Lord in a fresh way that things would never be the same. The journey is from Jesus as important, I recognize that in history, to essential in my life. I, uh, someone told me about a story of a couple who Uh, goes to our church, and uh, they sort of went through that. Uh, They were on the side of, you know, yeah, you know, believed in God and, and, and that being important, but then made that journey where Jesus is not just important historically, He's essential for me. And I thought it would be real helpful, just as some of us are considering what that really means and You know, uh, maybe you've heard what I've said, but what does that mean for me? That you would hear their story.